0: dot com slash google teacher pod you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the google teacher podcast thank you for your continued support and may the googles be with you Hi, I'm Sam Fesich from the EduMagic Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast
1: Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and
2: opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
1: Welcome to episode 109 of the Google Teacher Podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning.
2: And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we are getting close to spring break. So we're going to be talking about some things you can read and some things that you can listen to. If you've got a little bit of that downtime during your spring break, these are some of the things that have our interest. Plus, of course, we've got Google News and updates. We've got some mailbag entries and we've got a couple of blog posts to share with you. So, Casey, you ready to start this? Let's do it.
1: Okay, educators, let's look at what's been going on with Google News and updates. So our first item comes from the keyword blog, and it is titled Addressing Equity in Computer Science Curriculum with the Kapoor Center. And so I found this very interesting. You know, there is a part of Google that's called google.org, and they do lots of charity type of work, donations and things like that. So what they have done is given a grant to the Kapoor Center, and they actually received $25 million commitment to increase Black and Latino students' access to computer science education. So I think that's a pretty powerful thing that they are reaching into here. And if you're not familiar with this idea of digital equity, it is definitely something that is becoming Uh, a very important topic that we need to discuss. And in this article, they talk about the need for not only computer science being a skill that all students need to learn, but computing is shaping the future of all of the working environments that we are looking at. So it's really diverse. You know, you ask anyone what's going on in different fields, and you're going to find that there is some sort of computer science involved. So having students involved with the Kapoor Center, they are going to receive a $3 million Google.org grant to establish the Equitable Computer Science Curriculum Initiative. <laughs> Say that three times fast. This effort will bring together leaders in education equity, inclusive teaching practices, and computer science education, along with teachers and students to improve K-12 computer science curriculum and resources. So they're going to have an advisory board. There's going to be lots of things. And I really hope that we see lots of great things come out of this opportunity with this grant in the Kapoor Center.
2: You know, the, the more that that we continue to see these initiatives to sort of level the playing field. You know, we, we talk a lot on the show about, um, you know, getting girls involved with coding and computer science and, you know, just continuing to, you know, extend that to, to different groups, just to make sure that, you know, everyone has access to these topics and these different things in education. It's pretty cool stuff. Uh, The next thing we wanted to touch on real quick, I'll just do this one real fast because it has to do with Google translate And if you haven't used Google Translate recently, there are all sorts of ways that you can use it to translate content into different languages. Of course, you're able to type it. You're able to speak it. You can, of course, use uh, what used to be called the word lens, where you use your uh, camera and it will translate letters right there on the screen for you. It's pretty cool. They're continuing to add new languages. So there are five new ones here. Kenyarwanda, Odia. We've got Tatar, we've got Turkmen, and we've got Uyghur. So there's five more languages, which is cool because it continues to... Uh, grow. We've got 108 languages that that go through Google Translate. So if you haven't really used it, this is a great way to stay in contact with parents and family. It's a really good idea for um, you know like front office staff to be able to make connections with family and people that come in. Even just to be able to use the app and you know use your voice, have it input text and then translate it to another language. It really starts to break down those barriers. So continuing to add more and more languages, we're up to 100 now.
1: And of course, if you're on 90 Day Fiance, it's going to come in handy.
2: <laughs> there we go again. I can't help it. I know,
1: I can't. I see I really I see it in that show like all the time it's so hilarious it's a guilty pleasure that I do watch 90 day fiance so I'm going to switch gears of course and share something interesting about doodle for google and this is really just a reminder that the competition is open and it is a competition for K12 students in the US. So the submissions are due by March 13th. So by the time this episode airs, you will have a very short amount of time to get that in. It is a pretty big announcement that they shared who the judges are. And I don't think I've ever noticed who who were the previous judges. We have first off the teacher of the year, Rodney Robinson, and he is from the Virgie Benford Education Center in. Let's see. It says he has uh, been working also with a juvenile detention center in an effort to better understand and prevent students from entering the school to prison pipeline. Joining Rodney as a judge is an illustrator and author, Mary Andrew. And so Mary comes from a completely different side of things where she creates these beautiful pieces of art to go along with her her works and her essays and to help her readers feel less alone as they experience the trials and tribulations of life. So very powerful stuff. And last but not least is an entertainer and late night host, Lily Singh. So uh Lily has been amassing this global audience through social media and her work in entertainment, but she also uses her platform to uplift others. So I think they put together a great variety of judges. So we've got that teacher on there, which I would be complaining if we didn't have a teacher on the panel, but also some people with artistic backgrounds and some other great talents to bring to the table as judges for the Doodle for Google contest. So if you haven't explored that, definitely take a look because there is some serious prizes at stake here. If you didn't know this, the five national finalists will receive $5,000 college scholarship and a trip to Mountain View to go to the headquarters. And one national winner will receive a $30,000 college scholarship and $50,000 technology package for their school. So big stuff at stake.
2: Nice. Yeah, that's such a cool program. And the last one that we've got has to do with video calls. So, you know, whether you're using Google Hangouts or Google Meet or something else, um, either connecting yourself with another teacher or connecting your school and your classes to, you know, like virtual guest speakers or something like that. Um, this post has some tips for better video calls. Now, the post that we're going off of says working from home. So it's it's actually intended for that. But Casey and I were looking at it and we're going, you know, a lot of these things really apply to the classroom, too. So here are a couple of the tips from the post. One is choose the right environment, and they say, you know, um, there are a couple of things that you can do so that the background of your video call is best. Like they suggest choosing a plain wall in the background, avoid windows that provide too much backlight. I have to be especially careful of that. If I ever do one um, from my home office here, um, I always have to make sure that... You know, usually you have your laptop sitting and it's like square straight at you. But if I do that, there's a there's a window kind of over my left shoulder. So I have to angle it so that I avoid that window because otherwise it totally throws off the light balance. Um, Another one that they suggest is to turn on captions. They say if you're in a loud place and if you don't have super fancy headphones or, you know, if you're in the classroom, you know, if you're working with students and it would be helpful for them to be able to read. It says you can use Google Meets live caption feature. Um, another one that they suggest is it says, if you're presenting only share what you mean to share, (laughs) it says, don't love that moment when you're sharing your screen. And then suddenly everyone on the call is reading your email to make sure that you share only what you mean to share, just present one window rather than your entire screen. So if you do that, if you hit, Whenever you hit to, to share your screen, you can choose just that one window instead of the entire thing. So those are just a few of them, just a few of the suggestions that they have. Of course, you can pick up all six of those tips as well as anything else that we talked about, including the Google for Doodle information. Do Google for Doodle for Google. Wow. Google that was for Doodle. <laughs> Google for Doodle. That's not really in there. But Doodle for Doodle It's Google a new is.
1: program that we are starting here at the Google Teacher Podcast. That's
2: right. Yeah, that's right. Information to come. Hashtag.
1: Eventually.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you want to see any of that stuff, but not Google for Doodle because that doesn't really exist, at GoogleTeacherPodcast.com slash 109. All right, folks, spring break is upon us, at least here in the United States. A lot of schools are starting to head towards spring break in March. In fact, my brother-in-law, who's in college, uh, just started spring break this week, and it's snowing here in Indiana. I really feel bad for him. But when we get to this, I know, isn't that awful? Um, But when we get to spring break, it sometimes does mean that we've got a little bit of extra downtime and it means that we can spend some of that time doing the things that we don't have time to do. And for me, and I know for Casey, sometimes that means listening to podcasts and reading books that we didn't get a chance to get to. So we thought that we would share with you some of the books that we have been reading and have kind of caught our eye, as well as some podcasts that you can go check out.
1: So I'm going to kick things off with a personal reading choice. So this is not professional. And I'll tell you that this is actually a little bit harder for me to find examples because I do spend so much time reading professional learning books that the personal stuff that I try to read gets put on the back burner and it takes me forever to finish these books. So this is one of those that I have been reading in between and when I'm sitting on a plane and things like that. And it's called Girl, Wash Your Face. It's by Rachel Hollis. I bet many of you, at least the females listening, have probably read this or at least heard about it. In fact, there's already a second book that's called Girl, Stop Apologizing. And I love it. It hits home on so many levels about the lies that we tell ourselves about who we are and who we're meant to be. And she speaks in such a friendly language. And of course, she uses the word y'all. So she's speaking to me. But I have garnered a lot of interesting tidbits from this book and things that you appreciate, whether you're just a female um, that has been told certain things your whole life about what it, it means to be a woman and that you have to do it all. And she is the great example of, you know what, it doesn't always work. She tells this hilarious story about <laughs> jumping on a trampoline. And I, I'll let you fill in the blank. Um, as an adult with her, her own children jumping on a trampoline and the little accident that happens to her. And she's just super real and practical. And I think Y'all know that's that's me to a T. I'm always going to keep it real. And I also love that this is out there for women. Books like this didn't exist when I was growing up. There were not people talking about these things and that it's acceptable to do what you want to do and feel how you want to feel and be who you were meant to be. You know, as young women, we were often just told, just smile. You know, just look pretty, just perform, just do these things. And I hope that this next generation growing up will not believe all of the lies that have been told about women. So even though I do feel like this, obviously, the title starts with Girl, Wash Your Face. And I wanted to read one of the the reviews in here because I feel like it put it together so well. And by the way, this is a number one New York New York Times bestseller says, with unflinching faith and rock hard tenacity, girl, wash your face, shows you how to live with passion and hustle and how to give yourself grace without giving up. So she just keeps it practical. It's okay to fail. There's a lot of mindset work that's in this book, and I enjoyed it. It's hilarious. I love reading real personal stories from other people who... Hit home on some of the struggles that a lot of us face, and we don't always want to talk about.
2: I've heard a lot about this book too. You know, obviously, it wasn't written for, with with me in mind per se, but I do have two daughters and a wife that I love dearly, and I want them to to benefit from all of that as well. So I'm I'm really glad that you included this one in the in the show. Um, for my non education book, I wanted to mention daily rituals. So daily rituals is, um, the subtitle is how artists work and you don't necessarily have to be an artist per se to get something out of it. He, he identifies artists as writers, composers, painters, choreographers, playwrights, poets, philosophers, sculptors, filmmakers, and scientists on how they create and avoid, <laughs> and avoid creating their creations. And I feel like as I've read through this, it's really just a whole bunch of little snapshots of, um, famous folks, folks that you have heard of through history and then some that you may not have heard of and what their daily rituals look like. And, you know, for me, this is something that I've I've started trying to look at is, you know, what does my day-to-day look like? How am I most productive? Where am I going to get the most out of things? And it's fascinating to see how um, you know, how some of the the folks in this book Have done it. So they've got 161 examples in here. Um, so let me give you a couple of quick examples. Um, for instance, Thomas Wolfe wrote standing up in his kitchen, uh, the top of his refrigerator as his desk. So there was that. Um, There's another one. um, There's someone named Anthony Trollope, I think, who demanded of himself that each morning he write 3,000 words, 250 words every 15 minutes for three hours before going off to his job at the Postal Service, which he kept for 33 years. There's another one, um, Igor Stravinsky, uh, who was a composer, and it says he was never able to compose unless he was sure no one could hear him. And when he was blocked, like when he was stuck, he stood on his head to clear his brain. So it's just fascinating to see, you know, all of these all of these people who have done amazing, amazing things. And to me, it helps me to see that they had their own quirks, um, so they were able to be kind of their unique individual selves to to do these things. But it also gives you some ideas, too. And so um, I, I actually have this on audiobook also, and I love to be able to pull it out and, you know, whenever I'm running to the grocery store and I want to play something through the speakers or if I'm cutting my grass, I can like listen to one or two or three or five of them. And it's one of those things you can pick up and put down really quickly. So really, really love that book.
1: That's interesting, too, because it's almost like they're finding ways to unlock their creativity through their yeah. own quirks and rituals, which at first, when you mentioned this, I was thinking of another book that's called Miracle Morning. Have you ever read that?
2: Oh, yeah. Is that is that by Hal Elrod?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Miracle yeah. Morning. Yeah, just dropping in another recommendation, but it is about – those things that you do in the morning to set up your day for success. It's more about productivity than examples, but um, I do follow a lot of my own rituals when I can to help me stay focused on what my goals are for the day and to get the things done that I have to get done. So uh, I, I thank you for sharing that. I'm going to have to add that one to my list. There you go. I am going to move on to my professional learning book. And this one is called My Pencil Made Me Do It. And this Yay. is from my friend Carrie Bockham. Yay, Carrie. And you have heard Carrie here in the early days of the Google Teacher podcast. She was on episode four, y'all. <laughs> and I have since also had her on the Shake Up Learning show. She was in episode 48, it wasn't that long ago but I was talking to her specifically about this book and it is a guide to sketch noting, but let me tell you, it's a lot more. And Carrie is one of the most creative individuals that I know. She just blows me away with what she's able to do and create and the things that she does in her own classroom. She is a special education teacher and she gamifies her entire class it's incredible. It's the kind of classroom I want to go to every day. She is doing things that a lot of teachers in regular ed classrooms say they can't do. She's doing it. And she's taking a lot of great ideas and tweaking them. So the idea of sketch noting and something that I know Matt has done a lot with and shared as well Carrie oh my gosh, her sketches, I told her she's an artist and she still has a hard time. You can hear when you talk to her that she has a hard time accepting that. And so I've got to tell her, girl, wash your face. She's got it. (laughs) So she's going to help us understand not only the power of that visualization that students get when they are connecting their doodles to their learning and how it's working both sides of the brain, the visual and the textual, which will improve retention and recall, But it also has a very calming effect. Um, It's an added bonus for both teachers and students. And one thing that really stood out to me in this book, and this is probably because my language arts teacher is showing, but she has this strategy called micro summarizing. And she shares this in her book. And it's a process of taking big concepts and having her students condense them into one and two sentences. So uh, although this is a book about sketchnoting, she's combining it with a lot of other strategies. And so sketchnoting is going to help break down that information into those important concepts and big ideas. And rather than having students copy notes down word for word, she promotes summarization for concept retention. So here's what she suggests you try: take your traditional type notes and cut them into strips, or write them on post-it notes. Then students can revise the notes and choose one to, su- to two sentences to create that summary. And then Carrie says that you just jump in with one idea, explain your understanding of sketch noting, and share it with your students. So she struggled with this. The story that she tells about the the really aha moments in her classroom are so powerful. And when she first tried sketch noting, all her students wanted to do was sketch whatever she did as the example, which we find that in a lot of different things. When we give examples, students think that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Same thing with notes. When we put notes up there and we tell them to take their own notes, even though they have that flexibility, they feel like word for word is the only option. But as soon as she had one student realize it was okay to have your own ideas, a big shift happened in her classroom. And so I feel like there's so many great takeaways from this book, whether you're embracing sketchnoting already, or if it's new to you, I feel like she has so much to bring to the table in terms of creativity. And she has her own YouTube channel. She does lots of videos with her own daughters. And that's really where the whole sketchnoting thing had sparked for her was she realized she could connect with her own children if she sat down and would draw with them. And she, you know, example with, you know, she's got crayons on the dinner table and she's drawing with her daughters and how powerful that is for us to find those different ways to connect and then to find how powerful it can be for the classroom as well. So highly, highly recommend My Pencil Made Me Do It by Carrie Bauckham. Yeah. And Matt I, wrote the um the the intro I think. <laughs> you
2: just beat me to the punch. Yep, that's right. I'm I sorry. did. I got No, that's fine. That's fine. I got to I was honored to write the foreword to to that book and I have totally, totally loved just kind of watching Carrie's evolution as she started kind of tinkering with sketchnoting. And, you know, that's kind of the way I got into it too. I just um, saw other people doing it and I thought, well, that looks like fun. And I didn't do it at first. And then I sort of had this epiphany that I think she also had. And a lot of people have when they get into stuff like this, like nobody has to give you permission to do it. You just go and you try. And if you like it, you continue to do it and you get better and better at it. And it's like, People aren't just gifted with this stuff. It's, you know, it's a skill that you develop. And, um, Carrie lays that out so beautifully in her book, the education book that I wanted to share. This is one that I picked up recently, um, and have gotten so much out of it on a number of levels. It's called culturally responsive teaching and the brain by Zaretta Hammond and, um, you know, I've, I've seen on social media, I've seen lots and lots of people just gushing about this book. Um, I love it from, a, a couple of different perspectives. Um, one is you've got the culturally responsive teaching side of it, which is something that I really, um, just didn't know a whole lot about before I started, um, diving into this book. And it's so, it's so deep. Um, but it's really, you know, generally the idea that, you know, students want to, see themselves in the classroom. And whenever they're able to see themselves and their own culture in the kinds of activities that you do, then it kind of unlocks the brain in a special way. Um, Zaretta Hammond, her definition of um, culturally responsive teaching, she says it's an educator's ability to recognize students' cultural displays of learning and meaning making, and then to respond positively and constructively with teaching moves. That use cultural knowledge as a scaffold to connect with the student to what the student knows and new concepts and content um, in order to promote effective information processing. Um, she also talks about the importance of being in a relationship and having a socio-emotional connection to the student to create a safe space for learning. That's that's what it's all about. And the thing that I also love about this too, I am like a an armchair neuroscience geek. Like <laughs> I'm fascinated about how the brain learns and what we've learned through uh, brain research and neuroscience and cognitive science and all of that. And she gets it. And she talks about how, you know, the brain's reaction to not seeing um, the kind of learning that's reflected in, in one's culture um, and how sometimes it can be a threat which puts your, your brain on the defensive. And all of a sudden, all of the, you know, the higher order learning and the, the deeper complex cognitive tasks that they just they don't happen or they're, they're severely limited um, whenever you're in that threat mode and so she talks about lots of ways to, that we can unlock that potential just by making some simple changes in the in the teaching practices that we have so if you haven't checked this one out it is really really good i underlined so many things throughout this whole book there are stars in the um in the margins there's a spot over here where i wrote yes with an exclamation point next to it and um really really good book if you haven't checked it out
1: Definitely a recommended book. And in fact, that was recommended by Ken Shelton on my podcast just the other day. Oh, really? So as we're talking about this, yeah, I mean, I feel like we're just coming full circle and that this is this whole idea of culturally responsive and diverse um, digital equity ideas are throughout today's podcast. But yeah, that will really open your eyes. That book will open your eyes to some things that I know... I, as a te- teacher, just never really thought about. So I feel like that one is, is a must read for teachers. Okay, so we've got a couple of podcasts each that we're going to share with you today. I'm going to start off again with the non-educational podcast, but is super fun for me. And y'all know I am a Texan, a proud Texan. And we have we have some proud Texan podcasts out there. This one was actually introduced to me by my nephew who bought me a book that's called Y'all Need This Book. And it is the definitive guide to being a Texan. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you're a Texan, read this. If not, read this because it's still hilarious. And how, you know, all the things that we do in Texas that are different. But they came out with their own podcast and it's called y'all need this podcast. So it is just quick 30 minutes in fact, I don't think we've had a new episode in a, f- a few weeks unless I'm just looking at my catch up piece here, but they do hit on some really interesting topics that you may or may not have heard of that really kind of give you an idea of what what is going on in Texas. So <laughs> so for instance, there's this is one of the episodes I went to Dallas. I ate fried food. (laughs) So I imagine they're talking about the state fair. If you haven't heard of the Texas state fair, what would your last meal in Texas be? Should tea be sweet or unsweet? If you drive in Texas, y'all need this episode. And (laughs) beans do not belong in chili period. If you didn't know that about Texas chili, we don't put beans in our chili. Oh, that's a no, no. (laughs) Oh my goodness. <laughs> and the other thing, I can't even say this one right, because there is a town called New Braunfels. It is German, <laughs> but we n- nobody I know pronounces it that way. <laughs> we say New Braunfels and there's no extra S in the middle. And that's the title of this one. It's there's no S in the middle of New Braunfels. So anyway, I still I have to really think about that. But it's just for fun. If you like entertainment, if you like Southern culture, you will enjoy it.
2: Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Just from my handful of uh, trips to, well, more than a handful of trips to Texas, I can already see some of these coming through. So, um, love that. That's fun. Um, the non-education podcast I wanted to share with you. Now, this is one, I put this one in here for a couple of reasons. One is that I know that some of you that listen do, um, presentations at, you know, at conferences, you know, you'll do professional development to staff and, um, maybe even some of you are considering doing, you know, like keynote speeches and that kind of things. Um, even if you don't, the, the stuff that you'll get out of this podcast is still helpful if you work with students in the classroom, because really when you are standing in front of a group of students, um, you're basically almost like on stage. And so whenever we bring kind of like a performance element, not like you have to get up and, you know, act or anything, but whenever, whenever you're on like that, you're basically performing. And there are things that we can do to get, um, get people's attention. So big, big, long lead up to the name of the show. Uh, this podcast is called steal the show. Uh, It's named after a book that it's, it's basically for like public speakers um, and giving you ideas and ways to, you know, be more compelling to perform, to um, you know, get your, get your ideas across better. And within this uh, podcast, you'll get, you'll get episodes that talk about the performance element of speaking in front of other people. So you know, like how you can put your words together to, um, you know, to, to be more compelling or how you can, you know, bring sort of an element of, you know, using your body or if you're on a stage, how you can position yourself on stage. But it also talks a little bit about, you know, if you're doing some of those presentations, like, you know, some of the things behind the scenes, like how you use your slides, um, you know, just a wide variety of things that have been super helpful for, for me. So if you do any, you know, presenting at conferences, if you do professional development, but even, you know, if you teach in the classroom, there's still some really good things that can come out of that. So that one's called, uh, that podcast is called steal the show.
1: Yeah, that's a great one. I've, I've listened to that one myself and I have read that book as well. And I think you were the one who told me about it. So really great recommendation there. I am going to move into the educational podcast side now, and I'm going to recommend Tried and True, someone you can always depend on to deliver good content, who's concise, who doesn't waste time talking about y'all podcasts, (laughs) and that is Vicki Davis. She has the 10-Minute Teacher podcast, and it is five days a week. So there's tons of content, but she keeps things to the point and Matt and I have both been on her podcast and she is just really a thing of beauty when you watch her keep everything condensed and get to the point and get you to share exactly what she wants you to share right there so um she does have a, f- a formats for each day of the week and I was looking for it I couldn't find it online but I know you know there're like 5 idea Friday and things like that so you can also check out the archive because she has I don't know how many episodes she's into She's in the 600s now. She's got a ton. Of course, these are short, um, and five days a week does add up pretty quickly. She also had a previous podcast, and you can get um every classroom matters she has over 300 episodes there as well but Vicki Vicky is someone I have looked up to for years her content is solid everything she shares every life that she touches which I consider myself one of those people that she has made a difference in my life as an educator so always recommend Vicky
2: Yeah I'm I'm the same way Vicki <laughs> Vicky has a a big part of my origin story as a teacher you know I started um I started reading education blogs and um, got ideas from her blog, The Cool Cat Teacher, and um, you know that was years and years ago. And so, uh, yeah, definitely agree with that one. Uh, the last podcast that that I have for you, the education one, this is one called Brain Waves. So, Brain is spelled V R A I N. Um, this is by Ben Kolb and Becky Peters. Um, and what I love about this one is, uh, you know, they've they've got They've had a little more than 50 episodes or so. Um, they're really good at getting to the heart of what makes teaching and learning effective. So, you know, they, they'll talk to all sorts of different guests. Um, some of the ones, you know, be some of the ones that you're probably familiar with uh, if you're connected on social media, Um, They also will reach out beyond that, like they've had Manoush Zamarodi, who is real big in uh, the national public radio scene. Um, She was actually a keynote at the ISTE conference not too long ago. Uh, They talked about brain rules with Dr. John Medina. Um, One of them that I really liked the most... Was um, they interviewed Cal Newport, who is the author of Digital Minimalism, which is a book that I just adore. You know, talking about how we have kind of let our digital devices consume ourselves and how we need to um, kind of get control of that. So uh, there's always something interesting it seems on this podcast. So if you haven't checked it out, that's another good one to see.
1: So we hope you have enjoyed our little tidbits here. So from learning personal stuff, educational stuff, professional stuff, whatever you want to do over spring break. And I have plenty of teachers who tell me they don't want to do anything. And that is absolutely okay. But we hope you will check some of these resources out and understand why we think they are so valuable we also of course want to mention we do have some other podcasts happening in the google teacher podcast family so i have the shake up learning show which comes out every tuesday morning and our producer chris nessie has the house of ed tech podcast and matt has a little something going on too matt tell us about yours
2: yeah, mine is the Ditch That Textbook podcast. It's five minutes a day, Monday through Friday, and I'll just share a little quick idea or an interview from someone. Um, you know, another one of those uh, once a day uh, throughout the week, and um, yeah, you can you can get that one. Uh, links to all of the things that we've talked about again on the show notes at GoogleTeacherPodcast.com slash one hundred and nine. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail.
1: Okay, Matt, let's jump into the mailbag today and see what's been going on. Y'all, we need to hear from you. Just FYI, leave us a voice message. Go to GoogleTeacherPodcast.com. Leave us some feedback. We want to hear from you. We want your tips. We want your tricks. And we love sharing them on air. So hint, hint, we, we, we need to hear from you. Our first mailbag item comes to us from Anita Gledhill, and she is from Brampton, Canada. So take it away, Anita. Hi, my name is Anita Gledhill. I am calling to you from Brampton, Canada, from the Peel District School Board. One of the things that teachers always struggle with is after we have handed out a slide deck in Google Classroom, if we need to add a slide afterwards, we need to delete it and resend it out
2: i just learned about a add-on called slip and slide from john soul the chromebook classroom podcast dated november 17th that solves this problem hope it helps
1: people oh that is a fantastic add-on i did not know about this one did you know about slip and slide matt
2: i did not that was a new one for me too
1: Yeah, so check it out. Uh, It looks like it will override that problem that we've had with disseminating the make a copy through Google Classroom. And when we like, oh, I forgot to add this, you want to add an extra slide, you can slip and slide it right in there. So what a great name. And it will solve that problem. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, Anita.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's one more quick thing I wanted to sneak into the mailbag here. This isn't actually in the mailbag, so to speak, but I wanted to give a shout out to someone that I just saw recently. I was at one of my daughter's swim meets uh just last night, actually, and bumped into, see, I used to be a, a high school swim coach, and I bumped into one of my former swimmers, Kayla, who is now coaching also. And she said, Hey, I'm in my first year of teaching. Um, she's teaching elementary and then she pauses and she says, and I listened to your podcast. And I was like, Oh, this is so cool. So, um, shout out to Kayla for listening to the podcast. I know you're listening. I see you, I hear you. And, uh, thanks to all the rest of you that, that are also listening to the show. And of course, if you want to, Jump into the mailbag, too, and get that slip and slide add-on that Anita was just talking about. GoogleTeacherPodcast.com slash 109. All right, folks. We got a couple of blog posts to share with you real quick, and then we are going to be done with this episode. Uh, on the Ditch That Textbook blog, we just published a post called 12 Social Media Inspired Hooks for Class." So here's the idea with this one. If you look at all the different kinds of social media that are out there, the different platforms, there is something unique about each one that draws us in. You know, like Pinterest is all about organizing things. TikTok is about recording fun, creative videos, and Instagram is all about images. And so if we look at what that unique thing is for each of them, it can help us to record, or not to record, to create activities that kind of mirror those, those same things. So um, I've got 12 uh, social media platforms and what the hook is for each one so that you can use those in activities. Those are examples uh, that come from one of the ideas in my new book that's coming out, Tech Like a Pirate, uh, which is scheduled to release in April. So I'm going to be sharing all sorts of ideas between now and then that relate to that book. So keep an eye out for that.
1: Cue the confetti, y'all. It's time for Tech Like a Pirate. Yay, that will be out very soon. I can't wait. I have a couple of things to share from Shake Up Learning. The first is... I feel like a must listen episode on digital equity and why it matters with Ken Shelton. He shared some amazing ideas and tidbits and actually helped me forgive myself for some guilt that I've had over the years with teaching. And I highly recommend that you follow Ken, but also give that a listen. I'd love to hear what you think. I also recently put together out of demand a post on 13 tools to record audio on Chromebooks and other devices. So there are lots of tools on there that will work on Chromebooks, but a lot of them also work on the other devices that you may have. So that's been a huge question with the whole audio insert and Google Slides. And now we've got this option, how do we do it? What tools do we use? So I'm giving you a ton of options there to go check out. And of course, we've got all of the links in our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 109. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground today. It really was starting out simple, but you know, Matt and I, we can't we can't help but fit a few <laughs> extra tidbits in here for you. So that's just the way we roll here at the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you're walking away with some neat ideas for learning over spring break and be sure that you leave us a review in itunes we'd love to hear from you and that helps others find the podcast as well and please continue to communicate with us on hashtag GTPod, and we will be responding and looking for lots of shares there as well.
2: Yep. And like Casey said earlier, we do love to hear from you and love to share your voice on the podcast too. So again, head on over to Google teacher and leave us a voice message. I think that wraps it up. We will see you on the next episode of the Google teacher podcast. Hi y'all!
0: Thanks for listening to the Google teacher podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and by visiting our website, GoogleTeacherPodcast.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTPod. Until next time, keep harnessing that G-Suite power and may the Googles be with you.